When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today I'm joined by former NFL GM Randy Mueller because I wanted to get the perspective of someone who has been in a position of power in the NFL. How would they react to Washington's three game losing streak? balancing player losses with how they view the overall results. What does he think of the franchise's direction? You can listen to Randy and Mike Sando on the Football GM podcast. They provide good insight. And you can read my work on ESPN.com. Before I play my conversation, a couple things. Ron Rivera said they will continue to start Taylor Heineke at least on Sunday, but that he would like to get Kyle Allen some reps. I'm guessing that could mean if Washington is out of the playoffs, then Allen could start the finale. I don't think it's a lock that Allen plays again, even with what Rivera said. I think because of Heineke, or excuse me, if Washington wins Sunday and they have an outside shot at the playoffs the following week, you're going with the guy you consider the best guy. And right now, they still clearly think that it's Heineke. But I also wouldn't dismiss if Heineke gets off to a slow start coming off of what he showed against Dallas in each of the last two Dallas games, then I think you would be wise to make a change. I would be curious to see what Allen could do. I know they don't view Heineke as some long-term answer, but they clearly still think he gives them the best chance to win. But again, I would say if he struggles early, I can see a scenario where they turn to Allen. It's not that he's much better or factors more in the future. Allen is a restricted free agent after the season. I know the line is they need to find out what they have, but they do know what they have in both quarterbacks. And their opinion on Heineke has not wavered this season based on my conversations, high-end backup, low-end starter. Anybody who thinks they viewed him as a possible long-term solution, I think just doesn't know. They did not view him as a long-term option, but they did hope or wonder what his ceiling in this role could be. Keep in mind, they went with Ryan Fitzpatrick entering the season, despite him looking okay at best this summer. Heineke has had some good, fun moments. He's had some good games. He's also had games where he's been just really bad. They have been scouting college quarterbacks hard for a while for a reason. But Heineke does figure into the future because of the description of high-end backup, low-end starter. You need guys like that, even if it's just as a backup. That he's, He can help them. They will look hard at other quarterbacks, and I think they best find one. We'll explore quarterback options in other episodes down the road, but just know they will be looking hard at them. I don't think they're going to – I don't think you want to force an issue on a guy and overpay for both picks and money – but you do need to find a guy. I also think it's going to depend on how they view this overall season, where the roster is at, um, how aggressive they could be with where the roster is at, and the urgency that they have. I think they're going to have to show some more urgency after the season, but that'll be something to watch as well. I do think they're going to look really, really hard at it, and how aggressive they are, I don't know yet. I want to ask Randy about this, but I asked Rivera if it was hard to separate Looking at the direction of the franchise after a loss like that, if it's hard to do, it was such an ugly loss. He said it was just one bad game and not indicative of the direction. 
Clearly, a coach in power is going to say that. I know the fan base only wants heads on platters this week, and they only want to hear one thing. They want rants. They want anger. They want everything. But to only take that game, but to only take that game as the as the indication of the direction would be a mistake. Why that game instead of say Tampa? You have to take in the entire picture of a season and also have to weigh that versus your situation at the time, just like you should have done last year. I never thought for a second Washington would beat Dallas in a night. In fact, I thought the game would be over by halftime for a couple of reasons. Dallas is more talented, more playmakers on both sides of the ball, and Washington was missing too many players. A 42-point loss is different. It was really bad. I also think that if this happens next year, the coach would react much different because it's further along in their, quote, process. But to measure direction, I'd want to see how they finish these next two games. If they win both, then when having more players back, does that alter your opinion? Having said that, in the past year, and maybe to a degree last year, there's been an overstating the other way, thinking they were further along than they actually were. I think I wouldn't be shocked if that happened to the Eagles this offseason. Go back, look at their schedule, look at their wins, look at the quarterbacks they faced. Are they as good as, as their record? I don't know. I know they're a good team. I know that they're right at Washington's level, or Washington's right at that level, but how good are they? I think you have to take everything into account. So the key is not to dismiss Sunday's game simply because of who is missing, but it's also to not overreact for the same reason. An honest evaluation is the best one. If there are coaching issues, you can't dismiss them because of who wasn't there. You can still get players to execute too. I also know that for them, losing Cole Holcomb last week was devastating. He's not a pro bowler. We know that. But he is the quarterback of the defense, and he's been calling the signals all year. He's better in coverage than David Mayo. They knew going into the game that not having Cole would hurt. Mayo did some nice things in the run game. And again, Holcomb's absence does not account for a 42-point difference. I think it just made it tougher. But, you know, come on. That, that wasn't the difference in the game. Don't make excuses for them. Do see reality. I think there's, I know that requires some nuance. And sometimes I think I go overboard on nuance because I try to see everything. But a reason Washington climbed back into playoff contention was because of how Rivera handled things. Calm, even. Didn't rip guys publicly, even when they were two and six, because he, he doesn't see value in that. That's not what he's going to do. So why do it after Sunday? It's not who he is. I've seen guys rip guys here publicly. Jay Gruden did it to Rob Griffin III. Didn't sit well in the locker room, even with guys who did not like Griffin. I will say during that, now when a guy, if a guy's not giving effort, then he deserves it. I will say during that four game win streak, I felt they looked better than they did at any, than they did last. They look like a better team than last season. I think their six and six record at this, this year was far stronger than what they showed last year, simply because the teams they played were a lot better. The ones they were losing to were better than who they lost. They lost the Giants twice in, in the Lions. When they were when they had a two and seven record, those are bad. Those aren't good teams. And the list of quarterbacks they're playing is just better. Of the fifteen quarterbacks they faced so far, the worst are guys like Cam Newton. You know, uh, then you have like Daniel Jones, Hurts, Winston. Though that's like those guys are among the worst they faced. Cam Newton is is was not a good quarterback when when they you know this season, but it was the first game back for him and all that. But the point is, if those are the worst you faced. You face some pretty good quarterbacks. Last and again, I, and I like Jalen Hurts. Um, what he offers, competitive. I, I love the the leadership he has. There's still debate as to how where he's going to go, but I, you know, I, each of those guys offers something. So again, that's the worst that they probably have faced. Last year they played Dallas twice with no Dak Prescott. Also faced Nick Mullins and a rookie Jalen Hurts who was not as good as he was two games ago. Joe Burrow got hurt, and missed the second half of a game, or Washington might have been six and ten. 
Hurts was benched in the second half, the game where he wasn't great. But if he stays in there, maybe Washington loses that game and there's, again, 6-10. and 10. So I thought they were far more tested this year. Then the wheels fell off. Was it just because the injuries and COVID or were there other issues? You can't ignore all, any of it. It's great to say next man up. We've never seen a situation like this. Next man up applies to a guy here and there, not signing, not to sign a quarterback who's going to start for you four days later. But that's the position that could have made the difference in this whole situation. Does that mean you excuse it all? No, of course not. If there's a guy you consider a top backup, he has to be ready to help. If not, that's a problem. If there are three guys off practice squad or band-aids, how can you how can you knock those how those guys play? Yes, you want him to be ready, but there is a difference in talent. If it's the front four not doing its job, big problem. If some guys on the O-line not doing the job, if Sam Cosme is not coming along, if Eric Flowers making mistakes, big problem. The real disappointing part to the season has been the lack of – this is where we're going to get into the difference between the, in the Dallas game. There's been the lack of contributions from the high-end offseason acquisitions. Samuel, Fitzpatrick, Jamin Davis, Deami Brown, William Jackson – at least Jackson Davis have played, and at least with Davis, you can say, well, he's a rookie who was miscast early on as middle linebacker. He has length, speed, athleticism. I'll give him a minute to develop. That's what not everybody comes out right away and does anything, especially at that position. Micah Parsons notwithstanding, he's different. That's why this group, there's a front office, must have a better offseason in 2022. If you want fans to have confidence, that is, in your direction. Can you acquire the right top-end players? They did a good job with some of the lesser ones last year, notably DeAndre Carter, Charles Leno. Um, if you're going to let a guy like Kyle Smith leave the front office, that's fine. Everybody's replaceable. I thought he was a smart guy. Everybody's replaceable. But then you have to make sure that the new front office produces. Samuel was an injury situation, but there will be big pressure on him to produce next year. And this fan base wants to trust that if you're going to go out and get a quarterback this offseason, they want to know that this front office they can trust to get the right guy, that you're making the right call. More so than the than uh, the three-game losing streak, whether which whether you like to hear or not, was due in part to player absences. I think they could have beaten the Eagles. I do think they still get swept by Dallas, so maybe they'd be 7-8 and eight right now. So more so than that, I think the talent acquisition is – is more worrisome, not because they can't do it, but they have to prove that they can make it work here. And until they do, there's going to be skepticism. If Washington wins, this, and rightfully so, you've got to do it. If Washington wins its next two games to finish 8-9, then that's one or two more games off from where I thought their ceiling was with a tougher schedule than last year. I actually thought at best they could win 10 games. But there were times when I'd look at the schedule before the season, I'd go through and wonder, how did they even get to eight? If you told me before the season they're going to have no Fitzpatrick, Chase Young for half a season. Samuel does nothing. Sweat misses six, seven games, whatever it was. Dammy Brown does nothing. Jamin Davis doesn't make any big plays. Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick miss at least half a year or around half a year. I'd say, what do you think? Five wins, six wins, maybe? I think the games that have really bothered them were the Saints and the and Denver games. They needed to win at least one of those. And my understanding is that Rivera was really pissed off after the Saints game more so than, and than other games, because he knew the opportunity was there and they blew it. And they blew it because of some really couple of really bad plays. That game was, 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 was terrible. Um, Sunday night, last week was brutal for them, playing on a Tuesday, guys in and out. Tragic accident involving DeShazer Everett and the death of Olivia Peters. Jamin Davis was at the scene. What happened Sunday night in some ways became inevitable. Yes, it sucked. And yes, it's been like this a long time. And yes, I get that's where the frustration emanates for fans. 
And for that, I'm just going to say, I get it. I hear you all the time. And I can't tell you it's going to work out in the end. I'm not going to give you false hope. What I'm also not going to do is, is, is what I try not to do is overreact. And sometimes maybe you need me to do that. It's just not, it's hard for me to do that sometimes, especially because I want to take in the overall picture. Um, I know I'm not going to overreact to what happened Sunday. So there you go. And if you, if that's what you want from me, I apologize. The hard part to me is that they snuck two wins out of the first eight games and looked really good for about four, for four weeks, but that's about it. I, and that, to me, that's, that's too short of a window to look that good um, as an overall team. But I think the defense looked better for a few games before that green Bay, Denver as well, but I think they needed to play a lot better for a longer period of time um, to feel, to feel really good. But I do agree with Rivera here. I think we're going to learn a lot about that, about this team this week. It's the first normal week they've had in probably a month. They went from a Monday night game to the West Coast. Faced a Dallas team coming off 10 days rest, had COVID rip through them, had a game postponed two days, had a short week to travel to Dallas. Um, I think if they don't give a really good showing on Sunday, you should be more upset than after what happened in Dallas or just let it add to your frustration. That's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with former NFL GM Randy Mueller. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with former NFL GM, Randy Mueller. Well, Randy, before we get going, I do want to give you a chance, and I mentioned your podcast already for people to listen to, but give people a little bit of a taste of what they tune into the Football GM podcast, what they get. Well, it's actually... uh... Very similar to what we'll talk about on this podcast. We will talk about things from the GM angle, really. Um, I kind of sometimes see things a little different having built teams my whole adult life. So I might see something that the normal fan doesn't see and, and a different perspective. That's all. I know most of the combatants, most of the guys that are in the ring now. So it kind of uh, it might, might uh, derail to a story or two here or there, but uh, it's been a good time. Mike Sando, obviously the national right. um, guy for the athletic. It's been awesome. So I've enjoyed it. So how would you, looking at Washington, how would you assess you know, because this is year two of Ron Rivera's regime. Yeah. How would you assess where they're at right now? Like, what would be the key things you'd look at? Because we're going to look at results. We're going to look at their six and nine. They're coming off a 42-point loss to Dallas, et cetera, et cetera. Wh- how would you assess a situation? What would be the things you're looking at? Well, that part of it's not good. That's for sure. There's really no way to sugarcoat a loss like that. And 
the fact that it was to your, you know, hated rivals even makes it worse. Um, I think when Ron got there, I would say this, and everybody's cognizant of where the, where the Washington football team was when he got there. I think the culture is obviously a giant issue. Him and his crew have tried to do what they can to stem that tide. But at some point, you've got to make it happen on the field without a doubt. And I think the results of that in a, in my opinion, a, a, a sub-average uh, conference, a sub-average division, I should say, um, you know, the Giants haven't been up to speed. Uh, the Eagles have wandered a little bit last year. They're better this year, but it's, it's been there for, for progress to be made. That's for sure. And I guess we just haven't seen a lot of consistency on the field. And really it, it, it relates to two things, in my opinion, the, the inconsistency of the defense, which they've probably underachieved the last couple of years. Yeah. I don't think that's a secret to anybody. I mean, they've got some good players. They just haven't played good all the time, if that makes any sense. And, and then what they do at quarterback, that's just been, you know, I, I'm probably a little um, not as pro Heineke as some there would be. I think um, the, the, the inadequacies that he may have have kind of reared its head this year. And they probably uh, are going to be in the quarterback market again. So I think that's where they've got to start. And, and that and the perimeter play, a consistency of it, are the things that make things happen. I think offensive line-wise, they've, they've got the makings of, of a good group, but they've got to find a way to score points, and they've got to find a way to get off the field on third downs. And they're definitely going to be in the market for a quarterback. I, I know that for sure. And I, I, don't, I think they've understood where, who Heineke is based on my conversation with them. The hard part is finding that guy. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of time on this in the offseason. But for right now, like, how do you go? Because we see what's in the draft and is it a deep draft or not? You know, who's going to be available? How aggressive would you be if you're them going after a guy this offseason? Well, I think they've got to upgrade the position without a doubt. And, and I don't know that they're going to find answers in the draft for my you know, for whatever it's worth for me, I see one guy there that I'd you know be interested in, and that's the Pittsburgh kid, Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I think you're looking at projects and and six foot tall guys, and and the criteria mm-hmm. just isn't what NFL teams want right now. So I don't think we can manufacture quarterbacks in the draft just because we have a need. I see that happen a lot of places. I see you know, the GMs on social media and everywhere else, just draft a quarterback, you know, draft a quarterback. Well, okay. It's just easier said than done. The supply and demand are two totally different things. And, and and you're right until you can find a a better option, you can't move really off of what you have. So I do think they're going to be aggressive. I think they were aggressive last year. They just didn't get what they wanted to get done. So, yeah, I think that's going to carry into this year. And I think they've got to be in the middle of every quarterback deal that's out there, whether it's Russell Wilson, whether it's, you know, Deshaun Watson for per se. I mean, they got to be in the middle of every deal. Right. And I don't know that they're going to find an answer at the end of the day, but they, they have no chance if they're not in the middle of all these deals. What's your, what are your thoughts on Derek Carr? You a big fan? I like him. I think he has a lot of pluses. I think he turned a corner a year ago in that he sure showed that finally, in my opinion, he, he, he kind of matured into a guy that is more than just a, a clean pocket passer. He's always been pretty. He's always been able to make all the throws when the pocket is clean, but he's, it's been a noisy pocket for him the last couple of years. And he's, he's navigated it pretty good. So I do like Derek. I think that's a a, a great choice in that he may have to move on for himself to improve as well. So, you know, I think there may be two ends that, that, that are positive if, if change happens there. And that's when I think that's a guy that might be available that might fit what they need to do because some of those other guys may be tough. I mean, 
whether or not some like a, whether it's Watson, if they go after him or not, Rogers, would they even want to come here? Don't know. Right. I think there's some other obstacles there. Car might be a little bit easier. What do you think um, when, like, let's go back to the last couple of games. They've lost three in a row. They've had a lot of players who have been hurt and out. They've had guys on the COVID list. When you're assessing a situation like, and this is a unique situation because all the stuff with COVID, but when you assess it, how much do you look at like, okay, look at all these guys are out versus you got to play better. Is that hard to do or is it an easy thing to do? I really can't look at the guys that are out and use that as an excuse because I think every team has had it. I think GMs nowadays, and here's where they're a little bit behind the eight ball in that we know Ron controls all the personnel stuff there as well, but good GMs have been able to earn their pay this, this season because they've built teams that are not only 53, they've built teams that are 75, in some cases 80. We saw the Saints the other night on their eighth offensive lineman and their fourth quarterback. So uh, I think in this day and age, and again, I don't know how much of that Ron you know, uh, passes off to the other guys in, in the office, but they've got a, they've, they, this year more than any before is a reflection of depth. And if you can evaluate talent, and, and find traits that others don't see to give yourself a chance on days when you lose 10 guys to COVID. So I do think that is, is an issue this year. I don't think, I, I think they have to play better, but I think they've got to build a better and deeper team as well right, that fits right. what they want to do. And, I, and that's why I, I definitely agree with that because my thing, even more so than what happened Sunday, it's the lack of contributions from some high-end off-season acquisitions. I think that's hurt them more. And that's where you that's where you say, well, do they have the guys in place who can then go get the talent that you need to eventually right. be going in that right direction? So, you know, I mean, Marty Herney's a guy that's basically, I know Martin Mayhew has a title, but I think Marty Herney has the power there. What do you do? What were your thoughts on him as a GM when he was in Carolina? Well, yeah, I think Marty came up in a different side of the building. I mean, he didn't really come yeah. up in the scouting end. He came up in the, in the PR side, and and as and I love Marty. He's a great guy. I don't know that he's a talent evaluator per se. Uh, Martin had a little more of a talent talent evaluator background. Um, him and him, you know, with his ties to uh, Washington, I think makes it a good fit. But at the end of the day, you've got to evaluate and you've got to acquire and you've got to find ways to build your team and whosever job it is. They got to do better than the next team. That's the bottom line. They got to beat the Giants at talent evaluation. They got to beat the Cowboys, who I think have the best roster on paper in the league. They have acquired more talent in Dallas than any team in the league. And they're starting to play like that now. So that's the competition. Um, Again, the dynamics of how they're set up internally matter. But I I think Ron is smart enough to know that he's got to turn some of that over to people who do it 24-7. But I think he's been spread thin. I'll be honest with you. I think mm-hmm. he's more than a coach. He's more than he's really the president of the team, to be honest with you, the way I see it. He's kind of the face of the team and he, he everything is run through him. I think it takes him away from coaching, which is his strength. And, and he has to apply a lot of what he does to other areas of the building, which I don't think is a good thing. But that's just my opinion from 30,000 well, feet. Well, and I, but I think a lot of teams tend to agree with you now because very few coaches have that kind of situation, right? Well, it's a total different mindset for one thing. I know this. I wouldn't have time to coach if someone came to me as a GM and said, hey, can you coach the team too? I mean, I'd laugh. So being a GM, uh, whether you have the title or not, I don't think matters. But what Ron has to do is, is really 
give that power, pass that baton to somebody who he trusts, who can build this team for him so he can spend 99% of his time coaching. That's what's got him success in this league. It's not as a team builder per se, it's as a coach. And that's what he's got to fix is the coaching part and probably, you know, acquiesce some of that other job description to, to somebody else, whether it's Marty or, or Martin or whoever. And that's where I guess why I think he did more of that last offseason. I'll see if he does more of it this offseason or even during the season, because you're right, it does take guys away. And even though he doesn't call plays on either side of the ball, it still can detract, distract you from what's going on over here. Well, if he's not involved in the defense a lot, John, I'd be ticked because that's where his expertise is. He's well, running and calling that defense. Yeah. If he's yeah. not in there 24-7, I think you're doing the team a disservice because that's where his strengths are. And we all know about the man and the leaders and, and the leader of men that he is. But for the most part, his success has been derived from being a defensive coach who's really good at that. And so that's where I would want him if, if I were up top looking down, that's for sure. What, what, what are your thoughts on, because Jack Del Rio has been that guy. What are your thoughts on him? Have you liked his defenses in the past? I think Jack has been solid throughout his career. What he does there, I don't know. But again, I think that's one that a team of experts, obviously two of them are, are, are smarter than one. None of us are you know, smarter than everybody. So I like the idea that they have a background, but I don't like the idea if Ron's not involved every day. Right. I, I, I hear this coming from places like the Jets where Robert Sala says, you know, I, I trust my defensive coaches. I don't want to be in the middle of it. Well, I got news for you. I want you in the middle of it. Right. That's where you should be. And that's where I think Ron you know, probably has to get more involved. I think to, it's not like the defense is playing great. So let's do what we can. Ron has been, a, I was with him for years in San Diego, the chargers. Right. And so I know his strengths, or at least I think I do is using the personnel that we have and devising a defense that works for them. That's what he does best. I would sure hope he's doing that on a daily basis. Yeah. And I mean, I think, listen, the defense, the defense had a stretch this year where I thought they played pretty well, but not consistently enough. And I think yeah. like early on, they had to play a lot better than they did. And they didn't, they were two and six for a reason. And part of that reason was because the defense didn't play well. And then they started playing better. And then whether it's because of injuries or other factors, they're not, they haven't played well the last two weeks in particular. So that's, that's been a problem. So how did you, you know, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, did you get a chance to see them much earlier this year? Yeah, I've watched them on tape. I think they're both really good players. Again, I don't think they play good all the time. Chase right. Young is a prime example. I mean, right. there's no more talented guy at his position in the league. But I thought with the way he started his season was shaky at best. Right. I saw a guy kind of going through the motions. I'll be honest with you. It wasn't the same hungry bandit kind of come after him like I had seen before. So there was something missing there before he got hurt. Right. Something's got to get those guys going again, whether it's the scheme, whether it's the coach, whether it's all the above. I just think they all have to do better at that spot. And then when you talk about Dallas and having the best roster, you, you feel like they have the best roster in, in football or in the NFC? I think they have the most talented team in the league on paper. Mm. I really do. I see five receivers. I see two backs. I see seven or eight offensive linemen. They even found a backup quarterback in Cooper Rush that's better than most backups in the league. So, And we know what they've done on defense now with Dan Quinn. So I think they are talented. They hit on all of their picks. Will McClay is an unsung hero in yeah. that hierarchy. And I think he's done a great job. Um, you know, he's really the GM and the evaluator, the go-to guy for all of that stuff. And I think he's done a masterful job in putting talent on the field and their coaches have expanded the roles of these guys to fit their skill set as good as anybody. And you can credit Dan Quinn for that. 
if you look at when we're looking at Washington, they come off that game. If they go out and win their next two games, what do you think? I mean, eight and nine, like what, what would that change your opinion of the direction of things or how would you, and I know a lot of it had depends on how they look and all that, but they play the Eagles and the giants. How would you, you know, if they can finish eight, and nine, what would, would that say anything about them or what would it say? Well, I think it, it obviously leaves them a good taste in their mouth at the end of the season, but I'm more convinced that it's the whole season as a whole and are right, we progressing right, and right. is the process we're using right. to one identify players. Have we set the criteria right for what we want at each position? And is that criteria working? And then once we get these guys here, are we developing them? Let's forget the record for per, per se. Right. Let's decide, let's, let's figure out if what we're doing is working and it can be measured in a lot of ways in their instance, besides the wins and losses. I really believe that. And again, I'm not, I know it's a production league and wins matter more than anything, but I think in their case, they've got to find a way to hone in on the process, the criteria and the team building part of it, because right now I don't think they're good enough. They're just not, they don't have enough parts. And so the ideal is to maximize those parts with what we're doing scheme wise. And that's where I've spent my off season. So if you're looking at the roster too, then are you looking at Dallas and saying, Hey, we, if you're watching, Hey, we've got to get this, you know, get these guys to play to beat that team. Cause they're the team to beat. How, how much do you look at what Dallas has when you're looking at Washington assessing what it needs to do in the off season? Well, I think you definitely have to win the games in your own division for sure. I think you got to look at Philly too, because mm-hmm. Philly has some strength up front on both sides of the ball yeah. where they're winning the battle by controlling the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I don't know that, Washington can do that right now. So I think right. there's some, they have plenty of measuring sticks in their own division, set the giants aside. They have their own set of problems, but you've got to beat those guys before you're going to move ahead. That's for sure. That's four games a year. Uh, and, and you've got to be respectable in those games. That's why the Eagles game matters. You know, obviously they're, they're going somewhere this year in all likelihood and going to get into the playoffs. So we'll see. You like Jalen hurts as a quarterback. I like Jalen hurts. I'll tell you why I like him. I just have watched him at Alabama. I've watched him at Oklahoma. I've watched him many games now at Philly. And every step of the way, John, he's gotten better. That's mm-hmm. what I like about him. Mm-hmm. This kid has really grown. Uh, obviously, he's thick-skinned because he can he can take tough coaching. I heard Nick Sirianni say that last week. Well, we figured mm-hmm. out that he's tough, takes tough coaching. I got news for you. Anybody that's played for or worked with Nick Saban has thick skin. I lived it for two years, and it made me much better. So even his experiences at Alabama, I think, made Hurts better. So I think he's earned a spot at least to be looked at another year in their case. And uh, I think Nick has done a great job of molding the right offensive scheme that this kid can run. So I think that's to be credited as well. If you're looking at quarterbacks, what are the things that you're going to look for first and foremost um, when trying, you know, make sure this is the right guy to bring in? Well, I think there's a couple of things that if you don't have them, you're fairly flawed. One is you eventually got to win from the pocket. You have got to play. You've got to make the throws from the pocket and process information from, like we mentioned earlier, not necessarily a clean pocket. You've got to exist in a dirty pocket in the NFL. And it's okay. It's not for everybody. But if it's not for you, you're going to have to devise things like Cleveland's doing, or even Mm -hmm. like they're doing in Arizona a little bit where you're getting guys out on the perimeter. Here's the problem with getting guys out on the perimeter because they're not pocket passers. The defense only has to defend half the field when they get out of the pocket. So that comes with a little caveat of, 
of a, of a trade-off. So I'm looking for a guy that can beat you from the pocket and who can process information. Those are the big things. I'm assuming we can get a guy that has a strong enough arm to make most of the throws, but he's got to be able to exist in the pocket because they're going to make you stay there eventually. Defensive coordinators are really good. And then you've got to be able to process tons of information. Did you see the interview with Jalen last week where he came uh, in the post-game interview, it was asked about a certain play, why he didn't throw to a certain man. And his explanation of it is a great example right. of quarterbacks having to process the play in this league. It was not a simple answer. It was a convoluted, complex answer, but that's every down in the NFL for a quarterback. The amount of information they have to take in and spit out in mere seconds, you get, it doesn't get enough play by media, sure. by fans, by yeah. anybody. It's a hard thing. That's why they make $50 million a year. That's, that's, that's right. Can, can, and again, I keep going back to a guy like Derek Carr because I think he's going to be possibly be available and he possibly might be in their wheelhouse. Do you think he has those kind of traits? I do. I think he's grown. I think he's tougher now. I think he's he before, again, the pretty boy image. Um, I think that was who he was. I think he's grown up and now he can get hit in the mouth and get up and get in the huddle again. Um, I do think he's an NFL player and an NFL guy that can get you not only into the playoffs, but get you the whole way. The tricky part about that is you say he might be available, but we don't even know who's going to be their GM or, and their head well, coach. So that decision right. has got to be made that's by true. their people yeah, that's at right. some point. So. And, and the other thing is when you're looking at him, how do you weigh? Because, you know, for some guys, you may have to trade and then pay them. But you also have guys you want to pay, and obviously everybody wants that rookie contract for the quarterback. So how do you weigh all that when you're factoring how much to give up for a guy because you know you have to pay him as well? Well, it's hard because you've got to assess your whole roster. I, I think the Washington football team has more needs than just a quarterback. Right. So they've got to find a way to pay some other guys too. The good thing for them is they got $61 million available under the right. projected cap in 22. Right. So they have some money to spend. So they're going to have to find a way to do it. They're going to have to give up one compensation to get a guy like that. And then two, uh, you're right. They're going to have to pay him. And, and that's probably going to come at the tune of 40 plus million a year. Oof. So yeah. that's, you know, hopefully you have cash. So that equates to lowering cap dollars those first two or three years, at least. So that's your hope. Um, just a couple more things, but what would you look at if you say they have some other needs? What, for, from your perspective, besides quarterback, because we know that, but what needs would you say that they've got to get this filled if they want to take that next step? Well, I think perimeter on offense, they've got to find a way offensively yeah. to threaten somebody and get an identity. Correct. And some of that's players, but some of that's the scheme as well. I think Scott Turner has to do a better job of, of spreading the ball and, and, and actually one saying what we are and two, putting fear in somebody. I don't think anybody fears the Washington football team when they line up to defend them. They don't have anybody like that. Obviously McLaren, the receiver is really good, but right. beyond that, I just see some guys, you know, some guys. And so they just need, they need more players who force you to defense them differently. And I just don't see that right now. What can Scott Turner do? If you don't have that, what could he do as a coordinator to help that? Well, he's going to have to find a way to stretch the field and, and, that's the biggest thing that comes with added speed. I think this team needs to add some speed somehow, some way. They've got to find ways that that even if you don't throw balls long, they have to defend you and respect the fact that you can. So they need to go find a, a speed receiver. They need to find somebody that can stretch the field and do some of that. And then up front, they're still not, you know, who, what's going to happen with Brandon Sheriff? Right. And they afford to pay a, pay a guard, you know, another $20 million a Oof. year. I don't know. And, a and lot. Sam Cosby, he, he's been average at best. And is he the answer? I don't know. He got to toughen up too. So they've got some holes that they need to look at hard and fill. 
you know, the kicker of it with the speed is that they signed Curtis Samuel and drafted De'Ami Brown yeah. last year to do that. And that's where I go back to like acquisition for the high end guys yeah. didn't pay off for them this year. And that's, right. but exa- what you, what you say they need, technically it's on the roster. They haven't, but it hasn't yeah. worked out. That's, I think that's what the kicker of all that is. And so, you know, and that could come down to, like you said, the evaluative skills of some. Right. I got news for you. There are better evaluators than others. That's just the way the business is. Right. So, and I'm not saying they don't have them there, but you can't swing and miss very often in this business. I know that. Right. And that, and what happens is then you have what you've had in Washington for years. And yes. so that's yep. not what anybody wants um, from this fan base. I know they don't want that. So um, Randy, I appreciate you joining me and I appreciate the insight. Thanks a lot for coming on. And again, people go listen to football GM podcast. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, John. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Randy for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with another episode Thursday night. Talk to you next time.